Hey y'all, long time no talk, that's my bad, it's Black Fluid Poet, aka John S. Blake, coming to you from my humble abode of books during this pandemic paradise where the quarantine stopped being cute a long time ago. I don't know what I'm going to say when the pandemic is over. What am I going to say? Man, I don't even just, hey y'all, and I guess I just start talking. You know, I wanted to, um, it's been a while since I've done a podcast because so much of the content has been really visceral, right? Um, Some really dark places in my life and there's been a little hope, but for the most part, you know, it's just, it's been a lot of serious, heavy, you know, subject matter. So I was like waiting until I could do this like really positive podcast. And y'all, I just, I can't. And the choice I had was to not do a podcast for a while and the podcast start, you know, it, it would begin to, to lose its support or to be honest about where I really am. And, um, you know, so many people, this is what leads into the subject. So many people have mentioned to me that they love my confidence. And I, I, I giggle to myself, you know, under my breath because I'm like, (laughs) confident, confident. I'm a six foot five man that is 240 pounds who wears long skirts and eyeshadow. If you think I'm confident when I leave the house, yeah, I'm confident I'm going to have a problem. I'm confident people are going to stare at me. I'm quite confident that I'm going to raise some eyebrows, that that women are going to like snatch up their children at the mall. I'm real confident about that stuff. But as far as the, the term confident, right? What does that mean? What What is it that I seem so sure of? And the one thing that comes to my mind is I'm sure of who I am. Like I've practiced some radical acceptance. If you don't know what radical acceptance is, please, please research uh, this term, radical acceptance, because it has saved my life. It has cleared up my past. It makes way in my present. And it doesn't allow me to deflect from the task at hand upon looking at my future. And I think radical acceptance has more to do with confidence than anything else. Confidence isn't knowing how good I am. Confidence isn't considering myself better than I may really be. Confidence is being okay in my own skin. And that's something that to 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 a certain extent, I'm still not there, all right? Um, what I think people confuse for confidence is my, I don't know how to put this, my lack of concern, at least outwardly, for people's reactions upon what I say or do. That's what people consider confidence. Um... I remember being 16 and 
And I went to this group in a church basement. And I'm not going to go specific because this is press radio and films. But I went to this group and we were, t I, I brought up the fact that I was afraid that people wouldn't like me if I told them I was, I was lying for the longest time. I told people that both my parents were dead um, because I was ashamed, right? And because most of the rooms I was in were rooms full of white people and that made it more difficult for me because I always believed that in my head, right? And I know this is wrong. Let me let me preface with I know this is wrong. But in my head, I didn't think white people had problems. And people of color will identify with this as a child. Now, was I a child? No, I was about 16. Did I know white people had problems? Sure, I knew they had problems, but like, you know, like they're gonna have to wait a week to get the car fixed kind of problems. Not like, you know, I didn't I just didn't think that. White women got abortions. I didn't think that white men, you know, went to jail on the regular. I didn't think there was a bunch of drug addiction strife in the white community. I thought all of that shit was only in communities communities of color. And it wasn't. It's just that white people in their own uh, traditions, you know, of what happens in the house stays in the house. Whereas, like, in communities of color that I've been around... That shit wasn't no secret. Everybody knew. You know what I mean? Um, but I digress. So I was worried about what people would think. And then one day I finally got honest. And I was like, actually, my mom's in prison. And my dad is still running the streets. You know, he's still doing his crimes in the street. He's still playing chess for money. He's still smoking crack. He's still doing all of this other stuff. And... Um, Someone said to me, out of every 10 people you meet, three are going to like you, three are going to hate you, and three, and four won't give a damn either way. And this is, to, to, to my own surprise, right, <laughs> this is where the first clue of my own narcissistic tendencies kicked in. I understood that three would like me, maybe even love me. I didn't like the fact that three were going to dislike me or maybe even hate me. But what bothered me is the four that wouldn't be affected either way. I was like, excuse me? That was like a pearl clenching moment. What do you mean four people ain't going to give a damn I exist? No, they either got to love me or hate me. I'm not trying to have people who can just go on with their life nonchalantly. After my energy has entered a room to which we share proximity. That's not acceptable, right? And that stuck with me, man. It was a it was a humbling moment. That you mean there are people who meet me and won't think twice about it the next day? How does that happen? What? I think like, you know, um, I don't know if it's the writer in me, you know, when I think of that. Um, I, think, what I didn't make an impression? What? A blasting effect? Not even in my hello? How's that happen? But, you know, in having that discussion, I had a realization at that moment that there are actually people who, in my head, 
I swear, I don't think she likes me. That that dude, he he ain't cool with me. I can tell by the way he looks at me. And honestly, they probably, more than likely now, three are going to like me, three are going to hate me, four aren't going to give a damn either way. So the odds are that they probably weren't even thinking twice about me anyhow. That shit blew my mind. And as I've gotten older, I've become less and less surprised by this, this fact, right? Because how many people do I meet in a day? And how many leave a lasting impression? Not many. Not many. And I meet a lot of people. My inbox is full. My DMs are full. But there's always like a certain couple that I'm like, oh, you know, you, this, you know, certain people just get on my nerves. And then there are people who are like, oh, I really like them. And then there's a bunch of people who are like, who? <laughs> you remember you met them? At t- no, I don't. No, I don't remember. You remember you had that conversation with them about, oh, wait, was that the guy who blah, 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 blah? They're like, no. And I'm like, oh, then I don't remember. <laughs> and mm, that's how things work most of the time, you know? Um, my circle as I've gotten older has gotten smaller, right? I had like 50 best friends when I was, you know, 20. And now at 50, I have, I think, two, I want to say. Um, the hip hop artist out in LA, Matthew Cuban Hernandez. And my homie, Cole Rodriguez up in Boston, works with the kids. Um, these two people are absolutely my best friends. And then I have people who are in a little bit further out of a circle. And for mostly because we, we, we lose touch. You know what I mean? They get caught up in their life. I get caught up in mine. And we catch up every three or four months. But they're not the first phone call I make when I'm in trouble. You know what I mean? Mm. And then there's everybody else. And I think that something that's coming up for me with, with all of this, right? And, and these lasting impressions and what people think about me is imposter syndrome, right? I think for such a long time, growing up in the projects, having parents that were just strife with trauma and crime and violence, siblings that were in and out of jail, a drug addiction. Um, then my mother goes to prison. My dad dies of AIDS. My oldest brother dies. I lose touch with two other siblings. Could have sworn they were dead. I just just got in touch with both of them. Uh, God, like two years ago. I just knew they were dead already. I knew they were dead. Nope, they're fucking alive and well. And, you know, they're doing their thing. But imposter syndrome comes up for me because I'm writing. Okay? And I quit my job, y'all. I quit my job so I could write full time. I posted a GoFundMe. It's in my link tree on my TikTok page. And I'm going to write this memoir, 
that I have been trying to write, no exaggeration, for 25 years. I've been trying, trying to write this memoir for 25 years. My first attempt, I was about 100 pages deep. And uh, one of my baby mamas, I don't know, just no, messed with it. Um, or I messed it up, hitting the wrong button back then on the computers, you know. I hit one of those H something buttons and the next thing I knew, things were gone. Second time I tried to write it, um, I was going at it pretty good. And then um, I got into the poetry scene and I just kept writing poetry. I stopped writing the memoir altogether. And all that means to me is that it needed time, right? So I tried it in my 20s. I tried it in my 30s. And here I am again, 51 years old, trying to write this memoir. And to a certain degree, I'm glad that I waited, right? Um, what I have to... Here's where the imposter syndrome comes in, right? Expectations reaction so I write the book a bunch of people buy it and then you know somebody reviews it and says eh, it's not that great oh well you know and then it doesn't go anywhere right or and this might be even worse it gets reviews and the reviews are stellar maybe it even wins an award and my name is all over the place you know what happens now? People who didn't like me then, who still don't like me now, are going to start bringing up my past. And that shit is frightening. Because, y'all, my past is stone cold ugly. And what would I do then? I'd have to face everything I've ever done. And maybe that's what I'm meant to do. Hell, maybe that'll be the next book. But the guilt and the shame that I carry over the things that I've done hold me in place and they keep me from growing. Imposter syndrome, for me, is a fear that those parts of myself that I haven't um, haven't accepted will be exposed, will be revealed. And the things that I've been running from for so long will be looking me dead in my face. Like, I imagine it would be being grossly, not grossly, that's a poor term. I don't like that term being overweight and, you know, going to a high school reunion or, you know, not looking as attractive as you once did and walking into a room and people, you know, afraid that people are going to be like, ooh, you put on some weight, huh? So, like, if I wasn't okay with my weight before I walked in that door, I'm damn sure not going to be okay with it when I'm leaving. If I'm feeling 
insecure about my lack of education. And I'm about to head into a, a room where there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of academes, a lot of academics and, and a lot of intellectuals. I may feel like, oh, I really don't want to talk right now. Feeling insecure, you know. Um, for me, being in a room full of physically attractive people will stir up some insecurity for me. It absolutely will. I don't think I, I look all that physically attractive, right? So that would be an area where I would feel imposter syndrome. Um, when people start telling me, they, and they do on TikTok, I get it in DMs on Instagram, people are like, you're so amazing. You're so giving. I feel so safe around you. And I'm like, Ugh, man, you have no idea how horrible, the, the, the horrible things I've done in my life. And they, they've seen me, right, the way they see me. And that's their impression. They think I'm a decent person. The imposter syndrome isn't about them. It's about me. Am I okay with who I am? And that's really what I want to talk about tonight. Are you okay with being who you are? I mean, we all grow. I mean, there's room for improvement for everyone. But for the most part, you know, if I was insecure about my height, that shit ain't going to change anytime soon, you know? Um... Intellect can, can be improved upon, you know, my emotional levels can be improved upon, my, you know, even, you know, you can buy clothes, you can dress, you can dress things up, but it doesn't really matter how people see me. What matters is how I see myself, and that has everything to do with confidence. It's about what I see. It's about what I hold over my head and what room I allow myself to take up. Do I make space for all of me everywhere I am? Am I okay with my mistakes? Am I okay with my flaws? Where are my regrets? Because I think the lack of confidence also has to do with regrets. For me, not being okay with who I am is keeping a long list of everywhere in my life that I've gone wrong. You know, you can't, you can't call yourself a failure today unless you're looking at your failures of yesterday, right? And, and that's what it's about for me. It's about letting go. You know, that's everything about radical acceptance. It's not labeling something good or bad. It's just labeling it as fact. It happened. This is me. This is who I am. This is the truth. And learning to accept that without judgment, right? Um, which is hard because there are some things I've done in my life that have judgment. I've hurt some people, you know. Um, and how do I move on from there? How do I allow myself to get better? When do I get off my own back about 
whatever mistakes I've made. Maybe it's a relationship I got into that I ain't had no business in. Um, rushing into a marriage, rushing into a divorce, whatever the case may be. When am I going to forgive myself? I'm so quick to forgive other people, right? Quick as in quicker than I do myself, you know? Um, I accept that other people make mistakes because I've made so many mistakes. And that's how forgiveness works. It's, it's taking a look at me. Um, and I think that it, that doesn't mean that I, that you, you listening, you have to forgive everyone in your life. No, you damn sure don't. Some people ain't earned your forgiveness. Um, for me, I get to a point to where it's, it's in the past. It's okay. It's, you know, water under the bridge, man. Move forward from here. Maybe we stay in touch. Maybe we don't. But I can let go of the actions that, you know, you committed against me. You know, either something that you've done or something you left undone. But when do I apply those same principles to me? When do I look at my mistakes? And instead of looking at other people's mistakes and saying, you know what, I've made mistakes. When do I look at my own mistakes and say, you know what, other people have made mistakes. You're going to make mistakes, John. You got to let this go. When do I do that? When is it okay? Uh, one of my fears, right, of forgiving myself for everything I've ever done is coming off cocky and being like, well, you know, I forgave myself for that. Oh, well, you know, we're not going to talk about that. I'm sorry you're still hurting, but I forgave myself for what I did to you. So, you know, poof, be gone. And that shit is cold. I think there's a reckoning with myself that needs to happen with everything I've ever, every negative act I've ever committed, right? And in that process of reckoning, that, that acknowledgement and allowing those feelings to settle, you know, to sit and process through them and they'll leave when they leave. It's, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen instantly. But the best, the best approach to forgiving myself is accepting the undeniable fact that I am entitled to a life. I have a divine right to exist. Doesn't matter how many people hate me. Doesn't matter what I've done. As long as I'm breathing, the universe has decided that I still have a right to live. And that's where it has to start for me. I have to give myself permission to exist. And in existing, I have to then accept the undeniable fact that I have a right to enjoy this life that I've been given. Now that's a big step now. That's, ooh, you know, 
I get to enjoy it. Not only not only exist, but enjoy my existence. And that's why I quit my job and decided to write this book. Because I have a divine right to enjoy my existence. And I have a divine right to see other people enjoying their existence. You ever been miserable in your own life and you see somebody happy and you're like, I can't stand them. Always smiling. You know, <laughs> you make that sound, you pretend to smile, exaggerate. And I'm not mad at them. I'm full of regret and I'm full of resentment. I'm still holding a bunch of stuff over my own head and I'm not allowing myself to enjoy my existence. And I'm mad when I see them enjoy their existence because they're proving me wrong. You ever see somebody who went through some stuff and then you see them not too long later and then, you know, all of a sudden they're okay and you're like, they ain't okay. They can't be okay. I know what they went through. They ain't okay. Maybe they're not. But why am I so mad? That's the real question. Why am I in my feelings? Because I can't achieve joy in my own life. That's why. I am petrified of this new endeavor I'm going to take on. I'm scared out of my mind could lose my apartment the things i write about the, the things that have gone on in my life some of them some of it's on the dark side i'm afraid that i might not stay sober while writing it i mean that's whew, i've been there already but i have a divine right to enjoy my existence, whatever that may be, whatever that may be. And I know that what I've just done is moving me in that direction. Now, am I in my head about, you know, people talking about me right now? Yeah, sure. I'll look at this guy, puts up a GoFundMe and quits his job, expects everybody else to pay his bills while he out here just having fun. Yeah, I'm afraid people are saying that. Mm, he writing a book now. When I saw him last time, he was smoking crack. Yeah, I'm afraid people are going to bring that up. I'm afraid that women in my past are going to bring up the ways in which I hurt them. I'm afraid that, you know, my baby mamas are going to come into the picture talking about he ain't shit, never was shit, didn't pay his child support. Which would be true. There's a lot of reckoning. And these are things that I need to be okay about within myself, about my past, before I walk out into any room. And, you know, these are things that go through my head when I meet someone new. I, I, I really do take a, a quick inventory of myself when I walk into a strange room. Um, it may sound it, it may sound awkward, but I, I do say, John, you're queer, you're black, you're very tall, so people are going to notice you as soon as you walk in the room. You've done some horrible things in your life, and you've done some really amazing things in your life. 
understand this before you go in this room. And that's how I've walked into every job interview. That's how I've walked into every day at work. It's how I've walked out on first dates. It's how I walked through my divorce. For every person that has ever DM'd me telling me that I ain't shit because of something I've done in my past, I have another person who says, you saved my life. And I don't know where I would be today without your podcast slash TikTok videos slash Instagram account slash Patreon. Something that I've said or done has helped someone somewhere. And that has to be just as valid as someone somewhere is going to therapy because of some shit that I've done to them. Both are true. So in this American society of keeping tabs and judgment, judgmental behavior, you know, how does all of that add up? You know, how many people do I keep from committing suicide in order to erase all these bad deeds of mine? Or, you know, do all my good deeds get erased over anything bad that I've ever done? The answer is no. To both. I just am. I'm here today. In this present day. And there is not a damn thing I could do. About yesterday or all the days before it. I can't tell you who I'm going to be. Tomorrow or two days from now. Or anything further. I can tell you who I am today. I'm John S. Blake. Black fluid poet. And I am a writer. For the first time in my life, I'm not a waiter. I don't, uh, I don't work for fence installation. I don't do demolition work. I'm not flipping burgers. I'm a writer. I'm actually a writer, y'all. I went to school for writing. I'm about to finish grad school for writing. And I am working on a book of poems and my memoir. Oh, and my Patreon. Patreon.com slash poet. But I digress. For the first time in my life, I am who I've always wanted to be. Let me say that again. For the first time in my life, I am who I have always wanted to be. And I hope you are too. Good night.